the FBI is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Well, now we know that, I guess. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR Public Reality Radio, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. All around very busy swell fellow, says me. Uh, along with Desi Doyen, also <laughs> a swell and busy fellow very, today. Very, very, very. Uh, coming up, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net will join us to decode one of the two major hearings that were held in the uh, U.S. Congress today at the same time. One was in the U.S. Senate as the confirmation hearings for Judge Neil Gorsuch, Trump's nominee for the uh, Republicans' stolen U.S. Supreme Court, left uh, seat left vacated by Justice Antonin Scalia well over a year ago. Those confirmation hearings got underway today. And I got to tell you, I am not inclined to follow those hearings uh, for Gorsuch particularly closely. I find his nomination, as I have made clear on this show, I find the nomination to be illegitimate. Uh, given the fact that a year went by and Republicans refused to even hold hearings on uh, Barack Obama's nominee as per their constitutional duties. Um, so uh, therefore, frankly, I don't really care what Neil Gorsuch believes, what he has to say in one regard, because I I think he should be filibustered, period, on that basis, uh, simply because he is not Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland. The very centrist judge who was, as I said, not even allowed a hearing by Republicans over the entire last year of Obama's presidency. And yes, it has been more than a year since Justice Scalia died uh, in early 2016. So I don't know that I'm going to have that much time for those hearings this week. We'll see. And I welcome your email on that um, on that point how and if we should cover them. Uh, you can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. The other long-awaited hearing today was in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee concerning allegations of Russian influence in the U.S. presidential election, rumors now confirmed of an FBI counterintelligence investigation into that uh, matter, 
and the Trump's campaign involvement with it, if any. The Republican concerns about the <clears throat> leaking of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, classified information from the uh, from that investigation and Donald Trump's claims that former President Obama wiretapped him at Trump Tower. Specifically, James Comey, the FBI director and Admiral Mike Rogers, the head of the National Security Agency, both gave public testimony today for about five hours in the House Intel Committee on all of the above uh, without offering classified specifics into the uh, in the hearing. Uh, Comey offered confirmation of that uh, fact that there has been an FBI counterintelligence investigation into Russia's alleged attempt to influence the 2016 presidential campaign and election. And as uh, Democrats have charged, uh, that uh, the Trump campaign uh, has been uh, colluding with Russian elements in the lead up to last year's election. That investigation, Comey asserted, has been ongoing since l- July of last year. It appears to be continuing, though, again, uh, they, uh, both uh, Comey and Rogers were quite circumspect in the uh, specifics of whatever investigation may still be going on. Director Comey also confirmed uh, the intelligence community's assessment, uh, the ones publicly released to date in any event, uh, that they include no evidence of conclusion between the Trump campaign and Russia at this time. He also added that while uh, the FBI and and the NSA have high confidence in their uh, stated public conclusion that Russia had hoped to influence the election by undermining Hillary Clinton's campaign. The U.S. intelligence community makes no assessment as to whether that attempt had any success in affecting the outcome of the election. Now, to be clear, they did not uh, they didn't say they uh, that uh, that the that the attempt did not have an effect, only that. The uh, U.S. uh, intelligence community makes no such assessment in that regard because it's not something that those agencies assess as part of their counterintelligence investigatory work. Just to be clear, to put a really strong point on this, because uh, Trump was tweeting throughout the hearing and he claimed, oh, the NSA confirmed that uh, the FBI confirmed that there was no interference in the election. And it's really important for people to understand that they did not say that. As you said, what they said was we did not assess that because we didn't look at that. Right. And I I think I may have some uh, if we can get to it, I may have some audio on that in a moment. Um, But uh, both Comey and Rogers, uh, they testified as well that uh, Trump's claims that he was wiretapped by President Obama during the campaign, that those claims have no basis in evidence known by any U.S. intelligence or law enforcement uh, agencies, and that claims made on Fox News and Breitbart and then repeated by the White House and by Trump himself that uh, spying on Trump Tower was actually carried out by a British intelligence agency. Uh, that those claims similarly have no basis in evidence, at least available to the U.S. intel uh, community. The British agency, for their part, has uh, called those allegations, quote, utterly ridiculous and has demanded that the White House uh, not repeat those claims, which apparently the White House has agreed uh, to do. The hearing was chaired by Republican Devin Nunes of California, alongside Democratic ranking member Adam Schiff, also of California, during his opening statement. NSA Director Mike Rogers says the NSA stands by their earlier public assessment that the U.S. intelligence community believes uh, that Russia attempted to influence the U.S. election 
via the release of emails stolen from the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign chair John Podesta. When we last met in January, we discussed the classified version of the January Intelligence Community's assessment on assessing Russian activities and intentions in the recent U.S. elections. Today, more than two months after we issued this assessment, we stand by it as issued. There is no change in our confidence level on the assessment. Of course, the specifics of this assessment need to remain classified to protect sensitive sources and methods. So today, I will limit my discussion to information in the public domain, and that of the publicly released intelligence community assessment. That was Admiral Mike Rogers, the NSA director, uh, saying that uh, in his opening statement, he also noted that he was concerned about the leaking of classified material. Uh, in in part, that material that came out uh, showing that uh, Mike Flynn, the now former national security advisor to Donald Trump, had conversations with the Russian ambassador concerning Russian sanctions uh, before the uh, Trump campaign, uh, I should say, before uh, Trump was inaugurated. And uh, Rogers asserted that the intel communities have very strict procedures in place for the collection and dissemination of material and that those procedures were violated in those leaks of material. But it was James Comey that many were eager to hear regarding Democrats' questions about whether or not there was an ongoing FBI investigation into these matters and Republican questions about those leaks and even Trump's assertion that uh, President Obama, who Trump had described in a tweet as a bad or sick man, claiming that he had wiretapped Trump Tower, Uh, That's a charge that Obama and the heads of the House and Senate intel committees have already rejected uh, as untrue or at least uh, having no evidence to support it. So here is FBI Director James Comey's complete opening statement today before the House U.S. Intelligence Committee. As you know, our practice is not to confirm the existence of ongoing investigations, especially those investigations that involve classified matters. But in unusual circumstances, where it is in the public interest, it may be appropriate to do so, as Justice Department policies recognize. This is one of those circumstances. I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. Because it is an open, ongoing investigation and is classified, I cannot say more about what we are doing and whose conduct we are examining. At the request of congressional leaders, we have taken the extraordinary step in coordination with the Department of Justice of briefing this Congress's leaders, including the leaders of this committee, in a classified setting in detail about the investigation. But I can't go into those details here. I know that is extremely frustrating to some folks, but it is the way it has to be for reasons that I hope you and the American people can understand. The FBI is very careful in how we handle information about our cases 
and about the people we are investigating. We are also very careful about the way we handle information that may be of interest to our foreign adversaries. Both of those interests are at issue in a counterintelligence investigation. Please don't draw any conclusions from the fact that I may not be able to comment on certain topics. I know speculating is part of human nature, but it really isn't fair to draw conclusions simply because I say that I can't comment. Now, some folks may want to make comparisons to past instances where the Department of Justice and the FBI have spoken about the details of some investigations. But please keep in mind that those involve the details of completed investigations. Our ability to share details with the Congress and the American people is limited when those investigations are still open, which I hope makes sense. We need to protect people's privacy. We need to make sure we don't give other people clues as to where we're going. We need to make sure that we don't give information to our foreign adversaries about what we know or don't know. We just cannot do our work well or fairly if we start talking about it while we're doing it. So we will try very, very hard to avoid that, as we always do. That was FBI Director James Comey confirming the existence of that uh, counterintelligence investigation uh, into a Russian influence operation in the 2016 election, as uh, as he described it. He later went on to say that has been going on since early July. Uh, Devin Nunes, the, uh, the chair, the Republican chair, asked about uh, whether there was evidence of manipulation of the voting systems during the election by foreign agents. Here, here, was, uh, here was that early exchange. As of today, Admiral Rogers, do you have any evidence that Russia cyber actors changed vote tallies in the state of Michigan? <clears throat> no, I do not, but I would highlight we're a foreign intelligence organization, not a domestic intelligence organization. So it would be fair to say we are probably not the best organization to provide a more complete answer. How about the state of Pennsylvania? No, sir. The state of Wisconsin? No, sir. State of Florida? No, sir. The state of North Carolina? No, sir. The state of Ohio? No, sir. So, so you have no intelligence that suggests or evidence that su suggests any votes were changed? I have nothing generated by the National Security Agency, sir. Director Comey, do you have any evidence at the FBI that any votes were changed in the states that I mentioned to Admiral Rogers? No. Now, later on, uh, that was actually Mike Rogers and then uh, James Comey at the end there responding to questions uh, from Devin Nunes. Uh, later in the, uh, in the hearing, Comey clarified that there was no information that the voting systems m were manipulated that they have seen. Of course, they haven't seen any because, uh, among other things, nobody bothered to count the ballots in uh, in those states that were named. Uh, not in person in any event. The computers counted them, but human beings uh, were blocked from counting that um, by Team Trump and the Republicans, by the way. Uh, let me add here, uh, you, you had mentioned, uh, Desi Doyen, the, uh, that uh, the White House had tweeted not long after that exchange claiming that the NSA and FBI tell Congress that Russia did not influence electoral processes, but that's not actually what they said. Uh, here's an exchange later in the day between Congressman Jim Himes, a Democrat from Connecticut, uh, specifically asking uh, about that tweet that came from the White House. Uh, what we've said is... We've offered no opinion, have no view, have no information on potential impact because it's never something that we looked at. Okay. So it's not too far of a logical leap to conclude that, that the, the, the assertion that you have told the Congress 
that there was no influence on the electoral process is not quite right. Right. It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't our intention to say that today because we don't have any information on that subject. And that's not something that was looked at. Right. So basically they're saying we don't know. We did not make that assessment. Um, so the, <clears throat> the White House would therefore be wrong when they say that uh, NSA and FBI told Congress that Russia did not have influence on the electoral process, that they simply did not make that assessment. So uh, what were they able to assess? Well, they were, in fact, able to assess that uh, Barack Obama did not order the wiretapping of the uh, of Trump Tower. At least that's what they claim. They also say that uh, there was no uh, wiretapping by uh, by the British agency, GCHQ. Uh, And what about those leaks? Uh, Well, we're going to take a quick break here and come back and talk with uh, our friend Marcy Wheeler about that uh, and more on the broadcast as we try to make sense of today's hearing in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, we have been playing some clips from today's hearing in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee where... FBI Director James Comey and National Security Agency Chief Admiral Mike Rogers offered testimony on the allegations that Russia interfered with the U.S. presidential election last year. During that testimony, Comey confirmed an FBI counterintelligence investigation into the matter uh, and that uh, that, in fact, has been underway since July of last year though both he and uh, Admiral Rogers did not offer evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, as Democrats have been charging. Uh, And uh, despite the insistence from both Comey and uh, Rogers that Russia has long been attempting to influence U.S. elections, Comey also dismissed uh, Donald Trump's assertion that President Obama had wiretapped Trump Trump Tower during the campaign or after the election, or at least dismissed uh, their, his awareness of any evidence in that regard, that despite the uh, revela- revelation that Trump's former national security advisor Mike Flynn was heard on wiretaps discussing Russian sanctions with the Russian ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak, 
While Democrats were far more interested in the uh, Trump-Russia allegations, Republicans were much fixated on the leaks of classified intelligence to the media. And I have some questions, not necessarily about the leaks themselves, but about the information contained in those leaks, revealing that uh, Mike Flynn... General uh, Mike Flynn, uh, then the uh, uh, Donald Trump's national security advisor. He's a U.S. person, as the phrase is used in this case. I have questions about the fact that he was being wiretapped by the U.S. government uh, during his conversation with the ambassador. If if tapping a foreign agent like the ambassador is allowable under U.S. law, a U.S. person, if they happen to be captured on such a call, is supposed to be uh, minimized or removed in some fashion from those recordings, at least unless the government has obtained a, a warrant to listen in to those conversations. So what exactly is going on here and what all did we learn about uh, some of these details from Today's, I think it was about a five hour long hearing in the U.S. House Intel uh, Committee. Joining us now to decode the sometimes circumspect public uh, testimony of the FBI director and the NSA chief today is Marcy Wheeler, independent journalist who has been covering legal issues surrounding national security, civil liberties, presidential politics for years. Uh, she's been a contributor to The Guardian, Salon, The Progressive, The Intercept, and others. You may know her best, however, from her work at EmptyWheel.net. Marcy Wheeler, welcome back to the broadcast. Great to have you. All right. Uh, let's uh, it was sort of uh, two separate sections, at least here. Sort of there was the Republican focus and then there was the Democratic focus. They were very different, it seemed to me. Uh, Republicans were mo more focused on the leaks, specifically the information. Uh, it seems like the information that Michael Flynn uh, spoke with the Russian ambassador uh, about information concerning sanctions. Can you there were some. Nine officials, I believe, who cited the uh, the transcript of that call to The Washington Post. Can we did we learn anything about why Michael Flynn was being uh, uh, tapped or uh, why his conversations were being transcribed during today's hearings? Okay, there's two important parts to that story. The first is um, everything we know about the Kislyak transcript. Uh, it, suggest that it was a normal FISA warrant targeting a foreign, an agent of a foreign power. That's the entire intent of FISA, is to find out, um, even before it became a big, big counterterrorism tool, it was a spying tool. We want to see who is spying on the United States. And so uh, when, when the law was passed in 1978, what it was was basically an exception for spying on foreign spies in the United States to find out what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. Cold War stuff, right? Right, right. So, um, so, so it it was not targeted at Mike Flynn. It was targeted at the Russian ambassador. It was perfectly normal, and he had to have known. I mean, I don't know why Mike Flynn didn't know, but certainly Kislyak had to have known that he is generally wiretapped by the U.S. government. Our uh, diplomats overseas know the same thing. So, now, Marcy, so at Mar that level, people should know that, that, that's, that that's cool. The other important thing to know um, is that since 2008, it has actually been permissible for the FBI to go back. Um, 
there are two questions. One is unmasking, right? So right. if a report goes out saying Kislyak had this report about, uh, ha- you know, was talking to a U.S. person um, about sanctions, it would go out in original form saying U.S. person. Right. It wouldn't identify if, the specific person. Right. That's if it came up in normal review, right? Okay. Um, but But intelligence analysts don't read everything in normal time. They, they don't have the time, right. right? So they have to pick and choose what they want to read. What we've been told about this story is people weren't reading Kislyak's transcripts on a day-to-day basis until Vladimir Putin responded so oddly to the sanctions that, that Barack Obama passed on, on the instituted on December 27th, 28th. He put in, so, just to remind, uh, Obama had put in uh, sanctions against uh, against Russia, had expelled some uh, some Russians, uh, Russian uh, officials, and uh, they expected Russia to respond in kind, as they always do. But in this case, they didn't do that. This was right before uh, Donald Trump took office, correct? Is that the ones you're referring right. to? Okay. Right. So in response, everyone's like, hey, what explains that? And so they started to go back and look into why that might be true. And we should understand that analysts, and these may be analysts both in the U.S. and the FBI, um, they went back looking for something in particular. And I say the FBI, because, so say the NSA, if the NSA, the NSA analysts went back and looked up sanctions and Russian targets, and they found this conversation with Kislyak, and, and then, you know, people started reading it more closely. It would have been sent out in first instance without Mike Flynn's name identified, mm-hmm. um, except either the analysts themselves or as soon as FBI got a copy of that, this is one scenario, they would say, well, we need to know who that conversation is with. They asked the NSA, and NSA unmasks Mike Flynn's identity, and that's, how, that's one way for the FBI to learn that Mike Flynn was the guy having the conversation with him. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been fairly easy anyway. You would have seen that it was a conversation with the White House. You know, whatever. There would have been a lot of clues anyway. But the other important thing to know, and this is why Republicans are so squeamish about this. I mean, they're squeamish for two reasons. But um, since 2008, it has been permissible for the FBI in whatever, um, whatever intercepts they get directly to be able to go back in and look up stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, without distinction of whether somebody is a U.S. person or a foreigner. So uh, they, you know, they may have gone into their database and done the same search, uh, Russian targets and sanctions and found Kislyak. And that's a raw, that is a raw transcript that the FBI gets. So if the FBI looked it up in their own database, they wouldn't have had to unmask the identity at all. It would have been right there. They, you know, that what they get is raw stuff. And, and but so, but that raw stuff, Marcy, that's what I'm trying to understand. So they get that raw stuff. As soon as they see that it, a U.S. person is involved, aren't they supposed to begin uh, minimizing or unmasking that information unless no. they're not? No. no, and this is why the Republicans are so buggy about this, because what the treatment... I mean, we can talk about the leak, which is, I, I think, a problem. You know, it is a... Like, it would mm-hmm. be a huge problem if some Muslim uh, imam who was discussing somebody who's considered an extremist um, got leaked, not because of any criminal uh, ties, but because he was having conversations with somebody we consider a bad guy. So mm-hmm. we should consider, you know, that, that, like it's not good that the 
contents of a FISA intercept got leaked, and, and mm-hmm. nobody should, you know, clap that it that it happened. Um, but but what we're learning, what many people are discovering for the first time, is what it means that the FBI can do backdoor searches, and that's just this. It means that they do not need a warrant for either FISA stuff, which is bad enough. At least on the FISA stuff, there's an individual order tied to a person. But on FISA stuff and FISA 702 stuff, where there's no individual order and where some analyst in the FBI or the NSA has decided somebody is of foreign intelligence interest, the FBI doesn't need a warrant for that at all. And they, they access that stuff, Brad, for without any criminal uh, evidence against Americans. They do it at what's called the assessment level. So they can, you know, if they get a tip on you, that you've been talking to somebody, you know, to a hacker in England who's very dangerous, um, they can look up by your name just on that tip alone yeah. and figure out what you've been saying to that hacker in England who was legally targeted. And, that and, is, so, and that, that's because that hacker in England has already been legally targeted. I just get caught up in it, and they can go uh, look up that information despite the fact that I'm a U.S. person, just, just because I was talking to this suspected hacker. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, and so uh, Trey Gowdy, who is really concerned about this, um, you know, he's worried about the leaks. And again, I think that's fair. I think it is fair to worry. Mm -hmm. um, You know, uh, we can talk about whether we think the FBI would have gotten the space they need to conduct this investigation without basically kicking Mike Flynn out of the White House, Mm -hmm. without um, pressuring Sessions to resign. So maybe the leak is justified in that case. But um, the leak is not a good thing. But Gowdy was as worried about the leak revealing to you, who mm-hmm. didn't understand exactly how bad backdoor searches are right. um, for the first time. Now everyone's worried about what those of us who've been screaming about this, you know, I've been talking yep. about it probably since 2008. Yep. This is what it means. It means that Americans can be spied on. Somebody like Mike Flynn can be spied on without a warrant Yep. because he was collected incidentally. And, yep. and that, you know, it may not have... I mean, uh, David Chris, who is sort of wrote the book on this, literally um, used to be the assistant attorney general on these issues. You know, he has written and said, even if this were an NSA collection, um, this is the kind of incident where it is where it is legal to unmask somebody's identity because the entire point is you're seeing a very sensitive conversation that involves potential spying and you need to know who the potential spy is. So he has said that even if it were an NSA thing, it would be completely within the norms to unmask it. But people need to understand that there is the possibility this came by an FBI, and in that case it would never, ever have been masked. The FBI agents who found it would have seen it in in raw form from the beginning, and that's what and, and that's the other point that I wanted to try to figure out. The do we know from the testimony from uh, from from Comey um, and Rogers today that in fact this was? Do we even know how Flynn was picked up? You suggested it was part of what would be a FISA warrant against the Russian ambassador, FISA for Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, for those people who don't know. Um, but do we do we know that? Because Comey said there's been a counterintelligence uh, investigation of some sort, he wasn't specific, going back through uh, July. Is it possible that there was an actual warrant 
against Michael Flynn, that there was actual uh, probable cause that they might have been uh, tapping uh, Flynn or any of the other folks involved with the Trump campaign. Do we know either way after today's five hours of hearings? We don't know. Um, the, um, well, you know, what, what we do know, is what, there was a disclosure way at the end of the hearing. A woman uh, named Elise Stefanik from northern New York, upstate New York, and um, she basically said, what's the normal policy of briefing Congress on counterintelligence investigations? And Comey said, well, normally, you know, we on a quarterly basis brief DOJ, DNI, White House, and then Congress. Mm-hmm. But we didn't brief Congress in this case until the last month because it was so sensitive. It was so serious. And um, and one of the implications from that, from what he said in a follow-up, was um, that they didn't feel good briefing Congress until they had briefed all the normal members of the, intel- of the, of the executive branch, which might be DNI. There was no director of national intelligence from between mm-hmm. January 20th until last week. Or it might be Mike Flynn. Normally, one of the people you would brief on that is the National Security Advisor. Well, if the National Security Advisor is one of the people targeted in your investigation, yes. you're not going to brief the White House. Right. And therefore, if you're not going to brief Congress until you brief the White House, you're not going to brief Congress because the White House is targeted. So, um, and, and yet, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, he, he said that, uh, that this investigation, this counterintelligence investigation, began in late July, I think, of, uh, of last year, which would be close to the time when uh, Comey had, had, in fact, publicly commented on an investigation into Hillary Clinton's uh, private email server. So if he was willing to publicly confirm the investigation of Clinton— uh, back then, uh, why not the probe into Russia and the Trump campaign? Do, does that justify, in any event, uh, the Democratic criticism of James Comey that we have you know, heard, uh, certainly in the lead-up to the election and, in some cases, since the election? Jim Comey uh, totally screwed up by, by publicly commenting on Hillary's server, by publicly saying that she was reckless and so on and so forth. And I will not defend Jim Comey for doing that. But I will vigorously defend Jim Comey for not revealing details of this investigation. And the reason why is because Hillary's investigation, A, was public already. I mean, it came through Congress, so Congress knew about it. It came through uh, State Department's IG. It came through ICIG. So everyone knew about it. There were FOIAs everywhere. Um, it, it was a known entity, and more importantly, it was a done entity. It was about a server that was no longer in use. So no, you know, whatever actions, criminal or not, that mm-hmm. were going to be taken... They were done. Even today, at this point, um, pe- revealing too many details of who they're targeting and what they're doing would reveal, um, would give the culprits means of escaping capture. And frankly, we've seen at least one person probably named in the, in the Steele dossier um, and a number of other Russians, but at least one who I think there's real concern about um, dying being killed in, in mysterious circumstances over the course of the investigation. And we've seen um, an FSB officer, several FSB officers and, and a, and a um, Kaspersky employee arrested for treason in Russia. And one of the reasons you don't reveal details of counterintelligence investigations, particularly if you're investigating Russians who like to kill people, is because you may start losing witnesses to funny car accidents. Mm. And, you know, either Democrats need to treat this 
this investigation with the seriousness that that deserves, which is you need to keep it secret, or they have to admit that they're just going for political stunts here. And and frankly, I'm a lot more interested in, in, in the FBI getting the space and time to do the investigation to figure out whether and to what extent uh, Russian spies have been... Uh, you know, there, there are actually other questions there, there was a question that never even got addressed in today's hearing, and it's, and it's that, um, you know, Comey mentioned several times there was a cutout between uh, the Russian hackers and WikiLeaks, but we don't know who that cutout is. And, wh- and what right? does that mean? What, for, for people who don't know, what does a cutout mean between the Russian hackers and WikiLeaks? So um, Comey stated that the Guccifer 2 figure and the DC leaks figures got their documents directly from uh, Russian intelligence, uh, ostensibly GRU, the mili- military intelligence entity. Um, but, but Julian Assange did not get the documents directly from the Russians. And so when Julian Assange keeps saying, well, I didn't get the documents from the Russians, I'm not a Russian hack, right? right. That, the FBI believes that to be true. So that means somebody we don't know uh, managed to take the documents from Russian intelligence and give them to uh, Assange. And both Assange's statements, he claims to believe he got them from a DNC insider. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Craig Murray, who is a former UK ambassador to mm-hmm. um, Uzbekistan, if I'm remembering correctly, um, claims to have played a role as a go-between. And he says he got the documents from somebody who appeared to have somebody who appeared to be a U.S. national security personnel. So if there is somebody who appears to be a U.S. national security personnel who's in this chain mm-hmm. between Russian intelligence and, and WikiLeaks, we should want to know who that person is, because that person credibly appears to have ties to FBI. And there was no... You see what I mean? Uh, no, I do, of course. And there was no evidence uh, or, or hint. I mean, uh, Democrats were asking a lot about uh, a f- former Trump operative or current Trump operative, uh, Roger Stone, that he had some contacts with Assange. They seem to be pointing fingers in, in that direction. Uh, Democrats seem to be pointing fingers in a lot of directions trying to figure this out. But what I'm trying to figure out is what do we actually know and what do we not know? So we know uh, we, we don't have evidence, I don't think, but we know that the uh, intellig- U.S. intelligence agencies have said Russia intelligence uh, obtained these emails. We know that WikiLeaks published these emails. What we don't know is uh, how or if Russian intelligence uh, got those emails to WikiLeaks. Is that what is that the cutout you're referring to, and that was not spoken to today in the uh, in the hearings? Right, and and both Julian Assange and Craig Murray have said um, they've said that the the two cutouts were. I mean, the two sources, mm-hmm. and they don't call them cutouts because they right. believe they were the true source, um, that their two sources were both Americans, which says that there may be two Americans um, who don't, frankly, sound like they're Trump officials. Um, so, they, you know, like the, the, the Roger Stone, Mike Flynn, mm-hmm. Paul Manafort, all serious questions. I think, you know, there are real serious questions about all three of those men, plus mm-hmm. Michael Cohen, who... Um, as Trump's lawyer, I think, is somebody else who's legitimately under serious investigation. But um, in addition to them, there may be two kind of more innocuous Americans who had a role in this who had direct dealings with Russian intelligence. And that is something that Democrats should want to know, especially since 
at least Assange claims that one of them was a DNC insider. Yeah, exactly. And I know that there are former uh, uh, intelligence officials who are still standing by that, that believe that it was a DNC insider who leaked these things, after all. Um, let me, uh, I got just a few more minutes. I want to hit a couple of important things. Uh, both Comey and Rogers flatly deny there was any evidence uh, of Trump Tower uh, being wiretapped as Trump had charged. Um, do, do I understand it? I mean, they, they didn't say it didn't happen. They said they're unaware of any evidence. Uh, were they able to confirm personally that also the British agency, the GCHQ, that, uh, uh, that, that Fox News and therefore Donald Trump have pointed to, basically that's the UK's NSA, um, that, that they also did not wiretap Trump Tower? Do, were they able to speak to that directly, or where does that stand at this point? I think Nunes' uh, uh, non-denial denial is more interesting on that front because he said there was no physical... There, he has been told of no physical wiretap of Trump Tower either. He's the, head of the, uh, he's the chair of the U.S. House Intel, the Republican chair of the U.S. House Intel Committee. Yeah, and to his credit, I mean, he's been pretty hackish on this uh, for, for a long time. And, and he was, he, I think, uh, acquitted himself uh, responsibly today. So... You know, it may be that briefing on whatever he's been briefed on uh, made him take this a lot more seriously than he has. Um, what he said was there was no physical wiretap in Trump Tower. Frankly, the, the, the Trump Tower thing came from bad reporting from Louise Mensch, and so we should dismiss that out of hand because we know exactly what where it came from, and it came from confusion on her part. Um, but That's who, who is that? Louis, Louise Mensch, you say? Yeah, she's um, she's a... She's a um, former Tory MP that, for some reason, Democrats now trust, um, <laughs> okay. who who reported a FISA warrant back in, um, she reported it in November. She mm-hmm. said that the FISA warrant had been obtained in October. Whether or not that's true, um, her description of some other things was sloppy. So she said that there was a server of interest in Trump Tower, and that was just a mistake on her part. But, but that got picked up by Breitbart, which mm-hmm. is how Trump made the accusation in okay. the first part. Her, okay. her accident, Breitbart picked it up, Trump picked it up. So that's where it came from. Got but it. what Nunes also said is he would not rule out that Trump and his associates got picked up by other, via other surveillance. So their targeting of Kislyak, uh, targeting of um, the allegations such as they exist, is there's, an, uh, there's a FISA warrant on two banks. That could actually be not a, an intercept warrant, but instead a um, a 215 warrant on bank transfers. Um, we know from the Steele dossier um, that that the hackers were allegedly paid by a Russia's pension system, and so that's what I would target if I were the FBI and took that dossier seriously. I would go and see what that pension system was doing. Um, you know, that's a Russian system, but could have could have parts in the United States, and you'd want to see who was getting transfers of that money. That's a follow-the-money question, and it would find the hackers for you. So um, so Nunes is not ruling out that, that Trump and others got collected under other kinds of surveillance, um, but he also seems a lot less bugged about that than he was a couple months ago. So maybe he what he's heard has made him sufficiently sober about this, about the, this mm-hmm. possibility that, that he's um, not running interference for the Trump administration anymore. 
In and of itself, we've got just a, a minute or two here, Marcy Wheeler. Um, without the charges uh, of Russian influencing uh, the campaign uh, and the and the election, isn't the greater war? Because you know, d- Democrats, you, you sort of cited this a little bit. They're sort of this. Uh, they're freaking out. Uh, you know, Donald Trump and Russia work together to steal the election. Isn't the greater worry setting aside? Uh, whatever the Russian influence campaign, as Comey describes it, setting that aside, isn't that really the greater worry here? Um, the the concern about the lack of disclosure by various folks in the Trump campaign, including uh, Trump himself, that it would open them up to compromise and blackmail. It seems like that sort of thing gets tossed in there. But the Democrats are obsessed with, you know, oh, Russia stole the election. Trump worked with them to steal the election. There doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence of that. There does seem to be, or at least publicly, uh, public evidence. There does seem to be more evidence of uh, Trump and and various people uh, in his administration and in his campaign with a history uh, with Russia and not necessarily anything nefarious about that history, but this lack of willingness to disclose it that seems to make them compromisable. Isn't that really <laughs> to me that that seems like one of the greatest concerns here. Do I have that right? No, I think um, uh, look, I think that there is definitely the possibility, and, and uh, Comey was making a distinction between um, collusion and coordination, and mm-hmm. he was making a legal distinction. He, and he certainly seemed open to the possibility that we're going to find some of Trump's people coordinated with the Russians. And if that's the case, then by all means, they should be prosecuted for that and, and go after them. Um, and, you know, absolutely. Uh, and I... You know, and I, as I said, there are other reasons to still really worry about the handoff from Russia to um, to WikiLeaks. And, um, for example, there was this entity, Shadow Brokers, who was leaking NSA tools. I believe that that is also associated with the DNC hack in one way or another. And if that's the case, then how did Russia get NSA's biggest hacking tools? And what does it mean that there's still somebody out there running free who has most of NSA or a chunk of NSA's hacking tools that he can use to his own devices. And that's... Right? Uh, right. And so that's one thing. Right. So I don't want to dismiss that, because I think that that is critically important. Okay. And that's, that, is, that, that is real. Um, and, and a lot of that is stuff that has, you know, people have kind of ignored because they're looking at the big flashy names tied to Trump. But it, there, this could be even more serious than I think what Democrats are treating mm-hmm. it as, and that's why I say mm-hmm. you really need to give FBI the, the time to conduct this investigation in secret. Um, but the other thing is, the other way that Trump is easily compromisable is, you're right, he has all these ties with Russians, um, and these are not, they're not just, you know, garden variety Russians, a lot of them are mobbed up Russians, and I think that, that it's not only the non-disclosure about that, because we, we know a lot of details about that, it's also that... Um, he continues to have these financial entanglements. You know, mm-hmm. a bunch of his properties, for example, rely on basically Russians' money laundering through there. And that, that means that his brand is, is, relies on um, these untoward relationships with some mobbed-up uh, people, you know, ties with Russia. Um, and that, you know, even though it is, 
it is known. There are, frankly, his ties with people in other countries that are the same. Right. Any one of those could compromise him. Same with China, right? You right. know, he probably made his, the Trump entity probably engaged in more dirty dealing with China because he's been more successful in China and that's, than he has in Russia. And that's the, that's sort of the, what I was getting at, the disclosure, uh, the lack of disclosure and how that basically opens him up. You know, it was like with, with the Mike Flynn case, what that we don't know specifically what, what he talked about with the Russian ambassador, but uh, if what is explained is true, it's, it's not particularly... I, I don't it's not particularly unlawful, his conversation with the ambassador, but it's the fact that he didn't disclose it that then makes him open uh, to, to blackmail. And, and it seems like that's a, a small piece of it. But all across the Trump administration, we seem to have that that lack of disclosure that then makes them vulnerable. Marcy, uh, before I let you go uh, very quickly, do you have confidence in the FBI uh, investigation, or should a uh, and congressional investigations, or do you believe, as the Democrats do, that we need a special prosecutor to be named here? I have always um, felt differently about Jim Comey than the Democrats, uh, partly because I thought that he had shortcomings when uh, Democrats rushed him through without uh, any critical questions in yep. 2013. Right, and so. You know, I, I warn Democrats they didn't take me seriously, but Jim Comey is generally motivated out of a sense of self-righteousness. And that's that's why he went after Hillary in the way he did, inexcusably. Um, that's why he stood up to Cheney in 2004, but then promptly went and um, authorized the very same wiretapping um, by, by bullying the FISA court. You know, if you understand that Jim Comey is generally motivated by self-righteousness, you are not going to believe that he's going to throw an investigation against Russia. You believe, you know, you are going to believe that he's going to get, find the space for it. So, and the FBI has to conduct the investigation one way or another. I mean, you go to, you go to counterintelligence investigations with the FBI director you have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. How, right? Whether it's Congress or a special committee, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, you know, in the process of setting up a, a special committee, it's not clear that you get any better members. Um, the intelligence committees are generally um, not some of... I, I wouldn't pick a lot of the people on them, mm -hmm. but today the committee, you know, there were people in the committee that, that... There were people who kind of were posturing, as to be expected, on both sides, but there were people on both sides who were asking really good questions um, out of an interest in finding out the information. So, and, and the Senate, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about the subject is, is both committees are far more hawkish on Russia than I am or than you are. And so they're going to definitely want to conduct a real investigation into Russia, whether or not they're going to really want to expose Donald Trump. So. Yeah. And whether you know. or not uh, both parties will agree at the end of the day. Uh, that we have had a, a full and complete investigation, or if this is going to be a process where, where you know one party or the other can walk away claiming this was unfair. That that's my interest in more of a special prosecutor, um, you know, so that everything can be looked at and you can't end up at the end of the day saying, "Hey, that uh, that committee, you know, was unfair." Republicans goosed it, or for Trump, or Democrats, you know, for Hillary Clinton. 
that's my concern. That's my question. I think it's still a, a remaining question. But I'm glad to hear you have uh, at least some confidence in what you saw in the uh, U.S. House Intelligence Committee today. Marcy Wheeler, check out her work at EmptyWheel.net and on the Twitters at EmptyWheel. You have been tremendously helpful, Marcy. I suspect we're going to have to call you again in the future as all of this uh, fine mess moves forward. Take care, Brad. All right, a quick break, and we're back with our closing few minutes on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Oh, boy. What a mess, huh? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com trying to make sense of it all. I uh, got just a, a, a few more minutes here. Let me hit a couple of uh, quick stories uh, amidst all of this, all of these fine messes. Donald Trump's approval rating has fallen to 37 percent. That's the lowest of his uh, presidency to date, according to Gallup. His uh, disapproval rating correspondently rose to 58 percent. So 37 to 58 percent for a brand new president. Not even in there, or we're barely to uh, three months at this point of his presidency. Kind of amazing. In fact, uh, Trump's current approval rating is lower than any other commander in chief at this point in his first term since Gallup started tracking the issue back in 1945, the year that Harry Truman took office. Now, uh, some good news and some bad news in that regard, depending on whether you're a Trump supporter or a Trump hater, I guess. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, hit the 37 percent approval rating low point about five months into his term as opposed to three months. That was in June of 1993. So, you know, all told, uh, Trump's not doing that much worse than Bill Clinton was in the early part of his presidency, although uh, Bill Clinton ended up leaving with very high marks by the end of his presidency. So, you know, people who are happy to hear that Donald Trump is down at 37 need to keep in mind that Bill Clinton was reelected and uh, and left office quite popularly. Yeah, it seems to me that there are quite a few people who have no problem at all with everything that Trump is doing. And a lot of those people, as we discovered in November 2016, those people vote. Ronald Reagan dipped below the uh, 37 uh, 37% approval rating uh, after about a year uh, into office. And, of course, he left very popularly. It took George H.W. Bush more than three years to fall to 37%, which he did in, uh, in June of 92. Richard Nixon, when he resigned, he had a 24% approval rating. Uh, he first hit uh, Donald Trump's 37% mark uh, in the first year of his second term in the middle of Watergate as the uh, 
Watergate scandal raged in August of 73. The lowest approval record uh, ever recorded, by the way, for uh, by uh, by Gallup was 22 percent. That was back uh, Harry Truman's performance in February of 1952, nearly seven years into his presidency. And before any of you folks out there who take uh, Donald Trump for his word that any bad polls are fake polls, fake news. uh, Keep in mind here, Fox News. Uh, also uh, conducted uh, a, a similar poll earlier this month showing that the president's job approval rating had dropped five points since last month. Uh, according to that survey, 43 percent of voters approved of the job that Trump was doing compared to 51 percent who disapproved. So not that far off at 43 percent when it comes from Fox News. Do I have one, uh, time one more story here? A federal court on Friday permanently blocked Mississippi's law that had threatened to close the state's only abortion clinic by setting a hospital privileges requirement that the uh, clinic could not fulfill. That ruling comes eight months after the U.S. Supreme Court had blocked a similar law in Texas. Uh, In a statement, the Center for Reproductive Rights uh, said that uh, our landmark win at the Supreme Court last summer continues to reverberate across the nation. Any politician trying to roll back women's constitutional rights should take notice. And remember, the law is on our side. Uh, AP notes that Republican Governor Phil Bryant had signed uh, had, had said when he signed the law in 2012 that it was designed to help women. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Mississippi, of course, is one of several states with laws saying that physicians who work at an abortion clinic must obtain privileges to admit uh, patients to a local hospital. But uh, Mississippi's law never fully took effect because of the retracted uh, court battle over this. Jackson Women's Health Organization had sued the state before the law was allowed to take effect in 2012 saying that the requirement could block access to a constitutionally protected medical procedure. So for now, that procedure is protected in the state of Mississippi, if only at that one single remaining uh, abortion clinic. So Uh, at least there's that. There is that. But it doesn't stop other states from trying the same shenanigans again and then having to go through the same process again. And in the meantime, those women's rights are curtailed. Yep. Uh, The uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Daniel Jordan had let the law take effect uh, but prevented the state from closing that clinic uh, because that would, in fact, effectively cut off abortion access or at least access to legal abortions in the state. All right. uh, My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with, with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find, follow, and please share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. It is much appreciated, as are those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do five days a week over your public airwaves. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 